In the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm so happy you're here this morning. Good morning, Christ the Redeemer. I'm always happy you're here. I love this time of day. I love these hours. And there's someone who's even happier than I am right now. Jesus. Jesus is happy that you're here. You see, we say this every Sunday morning, that that we come to celebrate the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This Sunday, every Sunday, is a celebration. It's a mini-Easter, so to speak, where we come to remember the merits and mercies of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we do it in these first hours of the day, on the first day of the week, because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. God gave us His highest and His best in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us His highest and best winning for us the victory of life over death, and He did it in these hours on this day. So we celebrate that every Sunday morning, and in accordance with that celebration, last Sunday we started our sermon series that we had been talking about. We're calling it Connecting to Christ the Redeemer in 2019. How do we get more connected to our community, more invested in the good work of God in Christ Jesus here? There are three ways that we're talking about. The first is worship, and we're going to focus more on that this morning. The second is life groups. We'll be preaching about life groups the next couple of Sundays. And the third is the engagement in mission and ministry. These are the three principal activities, if you will, among all of the good activities that we'll be focusing on in our sermon series. And you'll remember last Sunday, last Sunday we talked about how worship is a very natural part of our lives, that we were made to worship that we're going to worship someone or something, and that our lives will bear witness to who or what we worship. So, I love to think about it this way, and if you've never thought about it this way before, I think this is really cool. Worship is a verb. Worship is a verb. Worship is directed to an object or toward an object. The object, object of our worship being Jesus Christ, we worship Jesus That means we do things, right, in our heart, in our mind, and in our soul. We talk a lot about actions in worship as we do instructed Eucharist. That that it's actually okay to raise your hands in worship. That The Bible even talks about that, to lift holy hands in prayer. That's an acceptable expression of worship using our bodies. We also talk about signing ourselves with the cross. Things that we do to bring our heart and our mind and our bodies into focus on who Jesus is and what His Word is in our lives. So these are some physical actions and activities that help our minds and our hearts get focused on Jesus. And we talked last week about Jesus being the one who is worthy of our worship. Jesus is the one who's worthy of our worship because He and He alone can forgive us of our sins, because He and He alone can offer us eternal life, and because He and He alone promises us abundant life, that that we didn't just get a golden ticket between our baptism and eternity, but that we're actually doing some things here in this transitory life that we're going to talk about in just a minute. Well, this morning specifically, I want us to talk about the benefits of worship. The benefits of worship. We're going to focus on a psalm, Psalm 103, here in just a minute. And that psalm says to us in the very opening verses, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. So I have two main things in mind for us this morning. First, I want to talk just a minute about the benefits of worship. And then I want to share with you an example of how we can practice worship in our daily life and living. Specifically, what we can do to take worship from what we do on Sunday morning into our daily habits and practices. 
So let's start with the benefits. There are two primary benefits of worshiping Jesus Christ. Two primary benefits of worshiping Him. First is the salvation of our soul, right? We worship Jesus Christ for the salvation of our soul, that He forgives our sins, that He offers us the hope of everlasting life. But there's a secondary benefit to worship. We participate in the redemption of the world. We participate in the redemption of the world as we worship Jesus Christ. As we worship, we experience salvation. Jesus has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He forgives our sins. He offers us everlasting life and abundant life. So He's the object of our worship. And as we worship Him, the salvation of our soul, we experience His love, His goodness, His mercy, His grace, the forgiveness of our sins, the hope of everlasting life. But the redemption of the world. You see, worship not only has an internal benefit, it has an external benefit. When people see Christians worshiping out in the world, they begin to do what we've been talking about. They begin to give praise and glory to our Father who is in heaven. Let me give you an example. It's one that I've shared with you before when I was on a mission trip in 2003 to Uganda. There we were, a bunch of seminary students with Ugandan priests, And as we were finishing our mission trip, they took us to a restaurant, a very public place like a Chili's or an Applebee's or something here in Fort Worth. Imagine your favorite local hamburger joint. We were there. And as we were having dinner, the priest did this. That Ugandan priest stood up and he started to sing. He started to sing praises to God right there in the middle of the restaurant. Now, invite Mark and me to dinner sometime and let's see what happens. (laughs) No, I'm serious. That would be really fun, wouldn't it? It'd be really cool. Because what happened as that priest stood up and he started to sing, people in the restaurant paid attention. It was a little bit awkward and comfortable for us who were sitting there with him, maybe, because we're not used to that in America. But all of the Africans paid attention. And then something else started happening. They started to sing. Oh my gosh. It was incredible. That priest led us in a powerful example of what worship can look like in our lives outside of Sunday morning. As he began to praise God, they began to praise God. Elizabeth McCoy said it so well in our stewardship campaign. She said, as we become the light of the world and our light begins to shine before all people that they may give praise to our Father in heaven. How can we do that bigger? How can we do that stronger? How can we do that brighter so that the spiritual footprint that Christ the Redeemer puts on the ground in the city of Fort Worth can reach as far and as wide as the glory of God will allow it to? So we experience it here on Sunday morning first and foremost. This is our act of corporate worship, right? And we benefit when we gather together. We remember that we're not individual Lone Ranger Christians out in the world, but we come together as a body. And when we come together as a body, we receive the benefits of remembering that we're a body of Christ. That we gather together to sing the praises of God, to study His Word, to pray to Him, and ultimately to receive communion. To actually participate in a foretaste of what heaven is going to look like. When all tongues and tribes and nations are gathered around the throne of God, and they're crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. I get so excited when I think about that moment I experienced in Uganda. I may never see those guys again on this earth, but when we get to heaven, can you imagine what that Ugandan choir is going to sound like? 
and the praise that they're going to lift before the throne of grace and that every tongue, every tribe, every nation will be participating in that. That's what worship looks like corporately. Paul says this, when we eat this bread and we bring, bring, uh, drink this cup, we proclaim his dying is rising until he comes again in glory. So let me say this about corporate worship because we also know that there are other things that are true in our lives too. There are other parallels in our lives that connect to this reality of corporate worship that we do on the first day of the week and the first hours of the day for about an hour, maybe an hour, 15 minutes sometimes. <laughs> we know that if we only eat one meal a week, we, we get kind of hungry. And if we only exercise one hour a week, our bodies don't really work the way we want them to. And if we only went to our jobs one day a week, notwithstanding priests who only work on Sunday mornings, <laughs> terrible priest humor, I get it. But if we only did our jobs one day a week, we probably wouldn't have them very long, or at least we wouldn't be as good at them as we otherwise could. So I want to use an example this morning. Corporate worship is that fuel that fills our fire for Jesus Christ. It sets it on fire here on Sunday morning, and it's meant to go out. I love how churches talk about being a church without walls. And that's kind of an idea that God has in mind for us here at Christ the Redeemer. To be a church without walls. Meaning, not just what we do here on Sunday morning corporately, but how we live that individually in our lives. So I want to give us an example. I want to give us a very simple pattern of what we can practice in our daily life and living. And then we're going to do it. I want to create for this morning, if you will, a worship service within a worship service. Where as we gather together corporately, you can experience this habit, this pattern for yourself, and have something to take out into the world in your daily life and living. To give it a good alliterative sound, I came up with these ideas. Sing a song to God, study the scriptures of God, and start a conversation with God, otherwise known as prayer. Sing a song to God, study the scriptures of God, and start a conversation with us, with God. See, here's the thing about music. Isn't it interesting that we start every Sunday morning with a song? We're a people who love to share and fellowship with one another, and that's awesome. And I would never want to do anything that takes away from the spirit of fellowship that we enjoy before church. But when the service begins, when we sing a song, everything falls away. And our hearts and our minds begin to become tuned to Jesus Christ. When we sing, our mind is free. And we begin to focus. When we sing, our mind is free of the distraction of the world. And we begin to focus on God. What a great time to begin to study the Scriptures. As our hearts get in tune with the things of God in Christ Jesus, we begin to open His Word. And His Word begins to speak to us. The Bible says that God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it pierces to the division of joint and marrow. God's Word is continually sifting and sorting the good from the bad in our lives. Separating, as the Scriptures talk about, the wheat from the chaff. The sin from the salvation. Helping us become saints instead of sinners. Our identity changes as we become a part of the kingdom of God. So as we sing and our mind is free and focused as we study the Scriptures, what an awesome opportunity to start a conversation with God. Right? God intends for us to have a relationship with Him. And that relationship is a two-way street. It's, it's not just us singing to Him or us studying what He has to say with us. Those are the principal activities. But in that relationship, God wants to hear from us. 
He wants to hear our hearts. God cares about the anxieties. He cares about the troubles. He cares about the burdens. He cares about the grief. He cares about the joys. He wants to celebrate with us the good things that go on in our lives. God cares about the triumphs, the victories that we experience in our lives. All of it, every single bit of it matters to God. That's the depth of relationship that He wants to experience with us. So, I want us to practice. I want us to take this time as we're gathered here together to practice. We're going to sing a song. We're going to study the Scripture. And then we're going to say the prayers of the people. So here's the pattern. In just a minute, but not yet, I'm going to ask us to stand. And our praise band's going to lead us in a song. And the song is called 10,000 Reasons. And you've heard it before and we've sung it before and we love that song. It's a song of praise. It's a wonderful song of praise. Well, that song of praise, if you never knew it before, is built upon Psalm 103. So after we sing that song, I'm going to invite us to be seated like we normally are. And we're going to say the song responsibly as we normally do. Then after we sing a song to God and we study the Scripture of God, we're going to start a conversation with God. We'll use that time to lead right into the prayers of the people, to the confession, to the comfortable words, and to the peace. Because that's the point. When we take the things that we learn in here and we begin to practice them out there, it becomes to... uh, What's the word? It's hard to describe in words, isn't it? It wells up in our lives. So without further ado, let me invite us to stand, let's sing, let's study the Scripture, and let's pray together. And here's the main thing I want you to remember. This is your time. Here you are in the midst of this congregation of people, but the only thing that matters to God right now is you. This is your time to focus on yourself and your relationship with Jesus Christ right here in the midst of all of those people as we sing, as we study, and as we start this conversation with God. So let's begin.